And just like that, it's a Monday night. Here on 760 WJR, you know what that means. You better believe it's time for another exciting edition of the sports book. So happy to have you here with us. As always, my name is Steve Courtney. Uh, sunny day. This is Jamie Edmonds. <laughs> Jamie Edmonds means sunny. Jamie Sunny Edmonds. How about that? Uh, yeah, first day of spring, looking very nice out there. Uh, here it is, 7.06. Sun oh. is shining still. Isn't it lovely? It's great. Yeah, how'd the week treat you there? It's great. I'm back from Columbus. You had a whirlwind trip. I did. I went to Columbus twice. <laughs> That's something. Yeah. Uh, you and the crew from WDIV uh, left yesterday morning. Yep. Uh, the tip was 5.15-ish, probably about 5.20 when all is said and done. Yep. And you made it there. Watched Courts, the game Courtside seat. Best seat in the house. Look at you over there. Second row, but yes. Oh, Courtside. second row? Yeah. Oh. Behind the announcers. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Uh, well, you you were there for a wonderful reason. We'll have more on that nice Michigan State victory coming up in just a bit. But let's continue with the introduction, shall we? Uh, Blake, you thought uh, you were going to get rid of us? No, not that easily. Uh, our our day continues after the album. I so. know this is we're just we're spending so much time together, Steve. Bros. Yeah, just a couple of bros. You know what? Out. And just guys being dudes. Yeah. The, 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 <laughs> The truth of the matter is I wouldn't have it any other way, you know? Thank you. Is that a sad statement on my part? I don't know. <laughs> no, I think it's fun here. Uh, now, the first question I asked, Blake, upon my arrival to this fine radio station, how'd the uh, weekend degenerate do? I did well. Good I did you. well on Friday. I was so happy nice. to hear. I did very well. Uh, I hit a parlay, which never happens. And then Sunday, I the last game... I got very upset at the Gonzaga game. Well, because he had some uh, bad beats. There was there was some that's, hijinks. That's what you had. And I want an investigation into that player from TCU. I demand it. You know what? I want to be standing in back of you when you're firing that email off to the NCAA. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, well, they just let him roll it to like half court and he throws up a prayer. I can just I can just see it now. Thank you. So much for your consideration to whom it may to this matter. <laughs> you should have seen me screaming at my television. Um, was... Who in our local radio bracket challenge is pretty high up there? I don't. Me. Yeah, <laughs> you're still alive. I'm two. Really? Oh no, I'm shoot. On this one, I picked Kansas. I'm. Uh, oh. I'm in good I shape. I should have looked that up before I brought this. I up. have the second most points possible. And who's, I have Houston. Who's the number one? I don't know who that is. Okay. I sent out an email to everyone <laughs> saying, please change your bracket to your actual name. Some people didn't listen. Some people still appear to be uh, anonymous mm -hmm. when it comes to this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, interesting. Uh, you know, Farley Dickinson knocking off Purdue. That was just unbelievable on Friday night. There was a dude, speaking of degenerates, an hour into the game, Bet thirty three grand on Farley Dickinson. They have said Purdue. He wins like almost five hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Oh my goodness! Now Blake, enough yeah. of the nickel and diamond stuff. You knew me. Take one for the team. 
put up some real dough so you know we can all share. Is that the biggest upset in NCAA? Yes. Like yes. That one's bigger than Virginia, yes. you think? Yes. Here's why. This team didn't even win their conference. Yeah. And they weren't that, supposed to be there. That conference has never even won an NCAA tournament game. And when you consider uh for the longest time, Zach Eady and the Boilermakers were looked at as being the number one overall seed. Yeah. Until Alabama had the nice finish. Yeah. You know, but it's still interesting. Alabama gets the overall number one seed, but Houston from the get-go was the betting favorite. Yeah. I think so, part of that is, though, they're, if they make the Final Four, it's in their home city. Yes. So you have to give them better odds with it being Well, I would imagine so. At home. You're absolutely right. Speaking of odds and things like that, uh, again, much thanks to our friends at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort uh, for making this radio show possible. Myself and Jamie, well, I can't really speak for you, uh, but we enjoy Mondays. I we do. I concur, yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> last week, we were not face-to-face. You were with family in Pittsburgh. Yes. Uh, oh, and by the way, Olivia is what now? Seven, eight months and a tooth. Well, she's six and change. Right. And a tooth is popping out. So there's your Olivia update. Wow. City of Detroit. <laughs> where, where does time go? I know. And we were talking in our green room conversation earlier today, and this is old school remedy, but, you know, the teething time for youngsters is not fun. No. Poor things. They suffer a little bit. And I suggested, and I thought you were going to look at me different, whiskey on the gums. No, I've And you didn't look before. at me different. No, I've heard this before. <laughs> I've got some old school parents. So, and it works. You I know? have not done that. So far, just Tylenol, but I'll let you know. All right. Keep us posted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but upon your return, thank you very much. I, I asked while you were in Pittsburgh if you could maybe, if you could find it, bring me back some Iron City beer. And I delivered. Because my uncle, back in the day, went to Pennsylvania for work quite a bit, and he would always bring back Iron City. Now, the cans back in the day, we're talking, you know, mid-70s, early 80s. The cans had the Pittsburgh Steelers team picture on the cans, and it was the greatest well, thing. The I thought it was so cool. Four-time Super Bowl champs on that can. And you you brought me back a uh, six-pack of the Iron City beer, premium lager, family-owned, brewed here. How about that? Yeah, isn't that nice? Now I don't know what happened. Oh. Oh. Did you see what happened just now? No. A can opener got up and went over and opened this bottle. <laughs> Now, come on. I what mean, are the, what are the odds of that? But now that it's open, you wouldn't want to waste it. <laughs> now, that would be a sin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, getting into uh, what we witnessed in Columbus yesterday. Yeah. What a game. Uh, 69-60, Michigan State win. All about the green and white, folks. Uh, with that victory, uh, Magnum T.I., Tom Izzo, uh, he just reaches another milestone. Uh, gave him the most wins in NCAA tournament history as the lower-seeded team with 16. He passes the recently retired Jim Beheim. Uh State, you know, goes in a number seven. Uh, you had the Golden Eagles, which I think is one of the great nicknames in all of college sport. Uh, they are a two-seed. And, you know, State gets off to a great start. There's no question about that. Up 18-5. to five. And you knew Marquette was going to make a run. Uh, they're too good not to. So the lead at the half is five. And you're thinking this thing could go either way because the truth of the matter is Michigan State's bread and butter is the three. Mm -hmm. 
God. Two for 16. And, you know, that's the way it ends. But this team, and again, it's important to point out, Tom Izzo has said time and time again, this is not my most talented group, but it is one of the most connected. Now, I think at the end of the day, uh, you go two of 16 from beyond the arc. You make plays to win. How good is that of a setup for the Sweet 16 matchup with K-State? That's what I talked about on TV last night. You're also on top of going two for 16. Your stars were in foul trouble. They had four fouls, most of them, toward the end of the game. And they still played with no fear. And they just, the defense held the line until the shots started falling again, namely for, um, oh my gosh, I almost said Travis Walton. (laughs) Tyson Walker. (laughs) Um, At the end, who, that guy's got ice in his veins. Well, that lay-in he had, and it would be followed by A.J. Hogard's lay-in, putting the uh, Spartans up 60-55 with about 220 left. Tyson Walker, I know this is about as athletically gifted of a basketball player that I've seen in a while. I mean, we know he can bomb the threes on a regular basis, but his creativity in the paint is unreal. Yeah, and he put that on display late in the game yesterday. I I, I just thought it was a great team effort, too. No one person sort of went off yesterday. And what about Matty Sissoko? What about uh, him? Eight points, ten boards. And a couple of huge swats down the stretch. Again, he was in foul trouble when he did it. Right. Right. A.J. Hogard, 13 points. Uh, I think the Spartans ended up with uh, 14 turnovers. Um, and it didn't get off to a very good start because A.J. turns it over their first possession. You think, oh, boy. First basket, and he looks at Tom Izzo, <laughs> and he sort of makes a, a smirk. You know, here we go. But uh, just very emotional. You could see how emotional uh, T.I. was uh, in the television interview afterwards because the university's been through a lot. Um, With the uh, mass shooting, just senseless. Um, And everybody is a part of that. And you had a nice conversation with Malik Hall about about that. Yeah, well, first I noticed their warm-ups say Spartan Strong. They certainly are keeping that close to their hearts. And... Malik brought it up when I was talking to him in the locker room, and he was saying, I just want everyone to know this is a basketball game. We're thrilled to be going to the Sweet 16, but I haven't forgotten about what happened on campus. I will never forget what happened on campus, and those people are in my heart. And I just thought that was wonderful the way he just brought it up and wanted to talk about it. Well, in his his thoughts, James, I think mirror every player, every coach, every staff member, on this Michigan State basketball team, and Tom Izzo has alluded to it time and time again, no one, no one will ever forget the trauma and the heartache of that fateful night. Uh, But like Tom says, if for a second, while you're watching us play basketball, you're able to get away from it for a minute, that's what it's all about. And certainly our thoughts and prayers continue and always will be with the survivors, uh, with those who lost their lives, Mm -hmm. because... That's life-changing. Basketball is basketball, but life is life. And this is the hard time, right? Because I mean, obviously, it's always hard, but the people have gone away. The vigils are done. You're just sort of not with your family member now. So I think this is a really tough time. So I thought that was nice that Malik said, you know what, I'm still thinking about you. Well, and Malik also, um, to add on to him, uh, kind of put it, even going into the Marquette tilt, 
I just say coach in general, everything he does prepares us for March. It's something we talk about at the beginning of the year and summertime, just making sure that we're ready. The schedule obviously is hard and it's rigorous, but that's something that uh, kind of like trains our minds, trains our bodies, and getting ready for situations like this and going up against someone who is just as good a team as us, maybe ranked a little better and things like that, meaning the crazy non-conference schedule that Tom Izzo loves, puts together. That's why he does it. There is a method to the madness. There's uh, no question about it. But I found it interesting. Next game's underway. Tyson Walker, A.J. Hogarth, still in uniform in the stands celebrating. Oh, really? I didn't see that. It was, was, it was pretty cool. And something else that was cool, uh, they showed uh, the, uh, the photo op, if you will, uh, a couple times, was former head football coach Mark D'Antonio, oh, yeah. Kirk Gibson, and Barry Sanders, whose son plays for Michigan State, all together. It was crazy. Yeah, and the first game, uh, Tucker was there, Coach Tucker. Oh, yeah. Saw Mel Young. And, you know, in television writers, everybody does this. You have to, like, leave the end of the game to go line up in the locker room, like, mm-hmm. area. So we were in the locker room area waiting for them to come back. I have this great video on my phone of them being so excited, returning to the locker room. And here comes D'Antonio after they're in there, and he sort of ducks in and says congratulations. And I, it's a family, that Michigan State. No program. doubt about that. And – uh the tragedy uh, has just ratcheted up the closeness. Uh, you know, that's just natural human emotion, I think. Uh, by the way, as we uh, look forward to Thursday night, Jane, and the Sweet 16 four-year Spartans getting underway at Madison Square Garden, all of a sudden, Blaker, uh, the seventh-seeded Spartans, now a two-point favorite over third-seeded Kansas State, who gets there by winning the Battle of the Wildcats, knocking off Kentucky. Uh, State started off an underdog, did they not? I don't. I was not tracking it right from the beginning, so I can't say for yes. sure. But okay, yes, <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised that the it's flipped like that, though. Honestly, I'll be interested to see how the line moves throughout the week. Uh, that is going to be a 6:30 tip on Thursday night. Our broadcast here on WJR getting underway at around 5:30. Uh, more NCAA tournament notes to share with you as we continue with the sports book here on 760 WJR. Our usual producer, Nicholas Roddy, uh, unable to attend our festivities tonight because he is big timing it right now at a suite at Little Caesars Arena. Uh, watching the winged wheelers take on the Florida Panthers. And uh, not good for the Red Wings right now. They trail one nothing. 9.48 left in the first period. All of a sudden, Jim, the uh, Red Wings have lost two straight. And that last wild card spot uh, slowly but surely starting to uh, slip away. They are nine points uh, behind your Pittsburgh Penguins uh, with about 14 games left. Yeah, I just, I don't see it this year. It was fun while we thought about it. And, you know, the deadline came and went and they were sellers. So I think. Yeah, I mean, they were right there for for a while. And it was exciting. Um, but uh, I think Stevie Y saw the writing on the wall. And uh, losing those two games in Ottawa, he said, uh, kind of convinced him which direction to go in. So there you go. Yeah, and the trades he made. I mean, Bertuzzi's loving Boston, I'm sure. Well, you know what? Uh, that's a situation you don't come across all that often, where you're with a non 
playoff team to a team that's just on fire. Quickest to 50 wins, quickest to 100 points, yada, yada, yada. Uh, So there you go. Uh, But the truth of the matter is, again, uh, going into this season, uh, the Red Wings were not really in postseason conversation. It would have been awesome if they snuck in. It would have been great. A lot of validation. I feel like next year. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and I'll even take it a step further. If they don't next year, I think that's going to put a little bit more pressure on Stevie Y. Yeah, same. So there's that. Uh, back to the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, Friday night uh, at a pub doing research as usual. Uh, Farley Dickinson, this is an unbelievable story unfolding. Because you're thinking there is absolutely no way the Knights can find a way to beat number one seeded Purdue. Zach Eady and company. And then you're watching the game plan. By the way, the uh, Farley Dickinson coach said he watched film, told his team before this game got underway, I think we can beat these guys. And, yeah, Zach Eady got his points, but he was also double teamed a lot and looked a little awkward at times. They were fine with losing if Purdue could shoot the long-range shot. They let those guys open, and they couldn't hit it. Uh, you know, this is going to be a while for Purdue to get over because, look, you are part of NCAA tournament history in a not-so-very-good way. Right. So the second team, number one to lose to a 16, there's that. But also they've had three straight years of losing to lower seeds that were embarrassing. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know what? And I think Matt Painter has the respect of the NCAA community. Uh, but did you see the whiteboard in the Purdue locker? Yeah, someone punched it. <laughs> Not happy. No. Not happy at all. Uh, and, and I'm going to maybe make a comparison here, apples to oranges. When the Falcons had that huge lead on the Patriots in the Super Bowl and they collapsed, they haven't recovered since. No. Now, Purdue... And, again, all the respect in the world to Matt Painter. Uh, Been there for a long time. He's had a lot of success. That's going to be tough. Because, again, you are the second in the long, illustrious history of the NCAA tournament to be a one seed to lose to 16. I also think these previous years factor into that horrible loss. 2021 against the number 13 seed North Texas. 2022 against number 15 seed St. Peter's, and now a 16 seed. 13, 15, 16. Well, and then, uh, you know, we knew Farley Dickinson was, but I shouldn't say you knew, uh, but it's only a matter of time before the Cinderella story, potential Cinderella story, has an opportunity to make a statement, and they fell short to Florida Atlantic. You know, Florida Atlantic is not what you'd call a basketball school. Right, powerhouse. Are, are are they the new Cinderella story? Well, I was talking about this with my husband. There's no super team, right, unless you count Alabama or Houston. There's no, like, team that you just know is going to take it all. And I saw a tweet, I think it was from Tony Paul, saying, well, this is the age of NIL and transfers. And Ryan made the point that, you know, there's also the G League and college basketball players exactly. not going to this tournament, not going to play in school. So it's like all of this happening. So why not Fairleigh Dickinson? Well, we had a wonderful conversation with Greg Campy 
a legendary coach at OU, who, by the way, is now El Numero Uno, top of the list as far as uh, longevity with the program now that Beheim is retired. Izzo's third, by the way. Um, but he alluded to that fact. The game has changed. NIL, transfer portal. I asked him point blank, Greg, do you think that this is going to lead to the premature retirement of some pretty successful coaches? He has, I have no doubt. It might have already happened. Well, Jay Wright. Right. Villanova. Right. And Tom Izzo was asked about it, and he said, no, not yet. He's still enjoying himself, clearly. But I feel like the sport overall, like I understand these great coaches, but like the sport overall is probably in a better place because you got kids staying for longer. You got. I understand that teams don't always stay together because of the transfer portal, but there's more like longevity in college basketball. There's – there's more recognizable names. So I think that that's helping the sport see, more I than hurting it. Maybe the opposite. Really? How many of players can you name besides like Zach Eady and Javi or Hawkes from UCLA? How old is that guy? 104. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Drew Timmy. Right. Yeah. Drew Timmy's been there forever. But I, I think like you're just seeing older guys. And it makes the games more watchable, too. See, but the problem is, and again, I'll preface this statement with this. The NCAA is an archaic, very old institution that should have, by rights, been knocked down and rebuilt 10 years ago. Minimum. There are no NIL laws, rules. It is such a gray area. Then they come out, eh, you know what? You can pretty much transfer as often as you'd like. (laughs) Right. How about that? So the transfer portal is not going anywhere. It's here to stay in basketball, football, and whatnot. And, you know, I'm going to ask Tom this, Izzo. You know, he got a little heat because he liked his team the way it was, did not go to the transfer portal where he found Tyson Walker. Felt loyalty to the guys he already had. So he said, you know what? No, I'm not going to mess around with it. But, you know, the NIL thing, and Greg Campy alluded to this, you go to recruit a kid, hey, how much does your point guard make with NIL? You know, if you're in a situation where you can't keep up with the Joneses, all of a sudden, you are at a disadvantage. And that is all, that's been going on, that will continue to go on. So, the NIL, it would be awesome If they came out with some rules, but if somebody, if there's a program that wants to pay somebody, some kid a million dollars because the alums are loaded, there's no rule that will prevent that from happening. True. But can they get more money going to the G League or going to these other things? Maybe. Well, I think it's, uh, uh, it's a convoluted mess is what it is. Because look. We don't have the time to get into this debate, how pure college athletics have been over the last 30 years. There's a question for you. But whatever purity there was, perhaps is long gone. Well, also maybe let people transfer because coaches certainly transfer and go wherever they want, but make them sit still for a year. Calm that down a little. Well, and maybe uh, come up with a little bit better criteria as to why you want to transfer. Because if, if, but if who's going to say that's worthy or not worthy? Well, 
in the old days, the only way you could get out, because the program is committing to you, you used to have to commit to a program unless the coach that recruited you took off. Right. Then you could transfer. You couldn't transfer because you didn't like where you were on the depth chart. Because you weren't getting minutes. Whatever the case may be. But regular students, the, the argument is regular students can transfer whenever they want. And if you're going to lock kids in to a contract, then they're employees. If you're going to say you can't transfer or you have to sit out, then they're employees. Okay, but is the next step, Blake, to have a team like Northwestern football tried just a few years ago to unionize? I mean, the, eventually there's going to be lawsuits. We're our, we've seen it for well, other what reasons. else is new? <laughs> so eventually there will be lawsuits. There's no doubt in my mind. Well, and what Northwestern found out, when they made this move to unionize. Okay, you want to unionize? Okay, you're an employee of the university right now. You have to pay for your health care. I'm sorry, what? What? <laughs> did you did you just say I had to pay Things for health Things got real? Yeah. So now all of a sudden, you're very adult. So, you know, that didn't go very far. Now, is it in the future? I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. I don't know. It won't stay like this. All right. Uh, again, uh, Michigan State, Kansas State, they kick things off 6.30 Thursday night, Madison Square Garden. Also on the docket Thursday, number eight seed Arkansas, number four UConn there in the West region. Uh, they go off at 7.15. Uh, then the 9 o'clock game. It's getting a little late there. Uh, number nine, Florida Atlantic. Number four, Tennessee in the east. And then the nightcap, as you might suspect, 9.45 uh, there at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Uh, Third-seeded Gonzaga, second-seeded UCLA. That is going to be a dogfight. That's the West region, again, in Vegas. Uh, Some crazy things going on with the Lions. Brad Holmes not done. Big signing today. We'll have that as we continue here on WJR. We are still about a month and a half away from the draft in the National Football League, but Lions general manager Brad Holmes has been very, very busy. Obviously, when the uh, free agent period began uh, last Wednesday, prior to that, uh, bringing aboard running back David Montgomery, um, Jamal Williams, as it turns out, James, very disappointed with the uh, original offer from the Honolulu Blue and Silver. He felt disrespected, and he made that very clear. Uh, Meanwhile, a position of great concern uh, was defensive back. Well, Brad Holmes is taking care of that, bringing aboard Cam Sutton, the uh, former Steeler, not to mention the longtime 49er, uh, cornerback Emmanuel Mosley. Then uh, we find out today, free agent safety C.J. Gardner-Johnson. And the Lions get together on a one-year deal worth up to $8 million. Comes to us from the Philadelphia Eagles, the defending NFC champs. And uh, Jamie, what a resume. Finished the regular season. Tied for the most picks in the NFL at six. And he missed five games, and this is never good. Uh, missed five games because of a lacerated kidney. Oh, sounds tough. <laughs> I mean, you don't ever want those two words in the same sentence. No. Um, he also uh, became the only Eagle since the 1970 merger to record picks in five consecutive games. All of a sudden, that uh, DB situation for the Lions is greatly improved. Yeah, I mean... 
What about Brad Holmes? It was the NFL's 30th ranked pass defense. And then he just came in methodically, signed all these guys. And now he has a little more free reign when the draft begins. Well, and I'm wondering um, exactly what all this means for Jeff Akuda, who I was a big supporter of. Because I, I think the learning curve, when you're a corner uh, DB in the NFL, it takes a minute. And he had those injuries, horrible yeah. injuries. Yeah, he had the Achilles and whatnot. But that being said, you know, since we're you know showing our cards, uh, he had a horrific game against Carolina. Uh, last year I mean and I don't think he played the last two games of the season so you know I think it just seemed to me for a minute that he was too talented not to get better and rise to the occasion at the NFL level well now this room is stacked with veterans maybe he learns and he's depth guy well and you've got uh, two first round picks right you know going off uh, first things first at number six I'm going to be honest with you Again, there's not one quarterback coming out that would make me want to take QB in that first round. Agreed. But uh, now they've addressed these defensive needs. What do you do? Another edge rusher. And, Complimentary to? Uh, well, to what you've got going on, because I don't think you can have enough. And then you look at a guy like Romeo Okora, who before Aiden Hutchinson got on the scene, Romeo Okora led your organization in sacks. I think he's a gifted football player, and he is staying for a lot less money. He took a pay cut, and there are free agent guys who are not getting top, top dollar to come here. This is new. People want to be here. It is new. And, you know, a guy like C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who was, by the way, a very coveted free agent. Yeah. Look at the comments on the Eagles, like, websites and social media and stuff. They're dumbfounded that this guy would want to come to Detroit. Well, you know, uh, that's Philly for you, though. Yeah, well said, Philly Blake. Gonna Philly. Well said. Um, but Jalen Ramsey, you know, when there was discussion about him maybe becoming a Lion, uh, Micah Parsons from the uh, Cowboys started it. You know, go to Detroit and you get blah, blah, blah. Look, you know, there's some good things happening here. Right. And, you know, uh, what Brad Ho- it's gotten to a point, whatever Brad wants to do with the uh, first round there, well, go ahead, Brad. Yeah, and Brad we trust. I mean, it's uh, it's come down to that. So, uh, welcome to town, C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Uh, we'll have more. You know what we're going to do? A uh, little treat. Uh, I spoke with uh, Tom Izzo along with Sean Belisian, Chris Runwick, on the Paul W. Smith Show this morning uh, at 8.35. Then I talked to him again at 5.35. They said, whatever. Uh, Romance. <laughs> I told him I spent a lot of time with it. Yeah. I'm going to call him at 2:35 in the morning just to keep the every nine <laughs> hour thing going. going. Yeah. Uh, so we'll have that conversation coming up here on the sportsbook on 760 WJR. All right. So Magnum Ti, 25 straight years getting the Spartans to the NCAA championship for the 15th time in his illustrious career. Magnum Ti has uh, guided the Spartans. To the Sweet 16. Earlier this morning, via the Paul W. Smith Show, myself and my colleagues Chris Renwick and Sean Belisian had a chance to talk about the upcoming matchup, among other things, uh, with uh, Kansas State. That conversation went a little like this. You know, it was, uh, you know, one of these days, uh, we're going to put our offense and our defense together. You know, we've kind of 
Um, yesterday, we really struggled to go two for 16 from the three with the shots we had, especially Jaden, Tyson. Joey's, Joey didn't get many open shots, but they stuck to him like glue. But uh, I thought Tyson and Jaden and, and Malik Hall had great shots. And, but it's, uh, you know, as I said, with two minutes, three minutes left to go in the game, we're up two. And I said, hey, if you work your defense, you can't lose. You know, if they don't score, you can't lose. And that's kind of the mentality we had. And uh, we were okay offensively. I mean, we shot 40-some percent, but uh, we were great defensively, and that's what won the game for us. Coach, that has been a testament. I'm sorry, Steve. That has been a testament uh, of so many of these runs, 15 of them now, to the Sweet 16. Uh, This team playing the type of defense that I think your teams have known, come to be known for, and, and we saw that really in both wins. Well, we did see it in both wins, and I, yet I think half the teams out there that are left, I mean, uh, you know, I don't care if it's Houston or, you know, the defense. I mean, Alabama gets a lot of credit for its offense. Its defense is probably better than its offense. If you win, you know, one, two, three, four games in this tournament, you better bring your defense because it's just not going to work on your offense all the time. And yet, the encouraging part for me is we went, you know, three months our defense was pretty good. Our offense was okay. Then we went a month where our offense was off the charts and our defense was off the charts in a negative way. If somehow this weekend we could put the two together, um, you know, who knows what can happen. But it's there. We just got to get it together at the same time. You know, Tom, uh, obviously uh, an emotional win uh, for your program, players, coaches, for the university, the Big Ten, not to mention the state with the – uh, violent mass shooting. Uh, you have alluded to the fact that basketball can uh, take our minds off what uh, Michigan State witnessed not all that long ago. Certainly our thoughts and prayers continue uh, with the victims. But I thought after this victory, uh, you showed that um, in a very emotional way. And uh, this win, obviously there's still work to do, uh, goes a long way in healing. Well, you hope it does. I mean, you know, I'm not sure if I was the parents of kids you lost that, you know, you can evaluate it the same way, but uh, because nothing replaces that. But if if it can help the healing process of so many others, uh, you know, that's one of been one of our battle cries. But uh, it was an emotional game, you know. Uh, you know, we've had two years where, we, you know, we went to one, went to a Final Four, then we didn't play it and the next year was kind of a goofy year and then last year we had the Duke game that you know went right down to the wire I mean we were five up with three minutes left and um, so then getting back in his roller coaster year a little bit with the injuries um, so proud of my guys you know I, I was really proud of AJ I was, I was really proud Malik played uh, you know had his best weekend to move better didn't shoot it great yesterday but uh, you know, I think, you know, lessons learned, you know, in the huddle yesterday, we were eight up with a minute 20 left. Uh, you know, I heard things like, okay, let's not give them a two before we give a three. Well, that was in reference to Iowa and what we did there, you know. So um, if you're learning and you're getting better, that's what it's all about. And what I really liked is the players were coaching the team because I was kind of worn out by then. So I let them do that. It was great. <laughs> Tom, it's interesting to point out, and by golly, I'm going to do it right here. 
your club, 2 of 16 from beyond the arc yesterday. Uh, when making five or Thanks less three-pointers. <laughs> well, I, 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 there's an end to the means here. Uh, only once uh, when making five or uh, less three-pointers had he got a win. That was in the opening uh, round win over USC. So, you know, the fact is, you know, this is uh, one hell of a three-point shooting team, one of the best in the country. But it proves to them that, you know, if we're off, we can still find a way to win. And this team has a lot of belief in itself. Well, you actually gave one of the great speeches after the game, and you weren't even there because you're right on the mic. <laughs> you really are. You're not right very often, but I'm promising you today, <laughs> you were right on the money that, uh, you know, your offense, I mean, we are. We're one of the top. I think we're one or two in our league. Us and Penn State have been one of the top in the country. And yet on the given weekend, you know, we, I don't know what we shot. It was abysmal, uh, you know. In fact, uh, you know, we we had two games where we just were, were awful, you know, uh, from the three-point line. I mean, when you, when you start talking about uh, going, uh, you know, whatever we went, I, I think in the tournament itself, we were seven for 30 for 23%. I mean, we've been over 40 most of the year. And, uh, and that is how you sell that defense wins, defense travels, defense is there every day. Uh, and that was funny. Kirk Gibson uh, came into the locker room after, and, and I said, uh, no different than baseball, Gibby. You need, uh, you need pitching. You need your defense to be good. He goes, hey, I'm a hitter. If you can hit home runs, that helps too. <laughs> That's only you can say. But, uh, you know, Gibby worried about hitting. But uh, when he was coaching, you know what he was worried about? Pitching. So he's no different than us. Incredible well, we should point stuff. Out before, in closing, uh, Coach, that uh, with that win over the Golden Eagles, you, sir, now have the most wins in NCAA tournament history as the lower-seeded team with 16. You passed the recently retired Jim Beheim. Uh, we now know it's going to be a 6.30 start at Madison Square Garden, one of the great sports venues in all the nation. Uh, go get ready for those uh, Kansas State Wildcats, would you? Quit talking to us. Hey, you know what somebody would ask? Why the hell are you always the worst seed? Why aren't you a higher seed more often? So, I didn't want to bring it up. That's how I am. Yeah, I did. I did because I knew you were thinking it. But you got ripped a couple minutes ago, so you didn't bring it up. But but the good thing about me and you, Steve, we're freaking frack, so I brought it up to cover you. I appreciate it. Get you know that what? Slice Always of pizza, got my coach. back. Sean, it's good talking to you guys. I appreciate it. Look forward to uh, maybe talking Friday, a day, of, day after the game. Let's I hope, hope so. That we're winning or Here. Maybe a great we'll conversation. Do it. Looking Whatever forward to it. Wants. There he is, head coach Tom Izzo. Thank you, coach. Jamie, you get the impression he just loves what he does still. Yes, and he's fun to talk to. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Conversation with Magnum T.I. earlier this morning. That is going to wrap it up. Let's do it again next week, shall we? See you same time, same place. You better believe it. It's the Sportsbook here on WJR. Thanks for listening.